is they're the future of the church and, and it's it's good to see that our future is in good hands uh, especially book of joshua in chapter one <clears throat> if you throw a, a leaf in a river it's going to float downstream almost every time especially when the rivers are high they are right now you throw a, a little red and white bobber in the in the creek and it's going to float downstream but if you watch it, it's going to float downstream to hit something. And you take that boat and you, you throw that boat in the river and, and you take the motor off of it and you just watch it go on and it's, it's going to go downstream till it hits something. It is the natural order of things to, to go with the flow. Is the, the phrase that's been coined that everybody kind of pays attention to. And to go with the flow is not always a too terribly awful thing. If everybody's going on the right side of the road, it would be bad for you to drive on the left. Just throwing that out there. It, it would be. But whenever it comes to the things of God, we're not called to always go with the flow. We're not supposed to always conform to the norm. Didn't mean to rhyme. It was an accident. But we're not supposed to always conform to what people see as normal. That is the reason that, that Christianity is, is taking such a... Well, it's, it's taking a big drop off to to be even more of a minority than we've always been. The Bible says that wide is the, wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destructions, and, and that path is always full. It, it, it always is, and, and the Bible tells us that we will never be the majority, not, not as long as this earth is here until Jesus comes back and, and we get to rule and reign with him after the rapture. We, we won't be the majority. And because of that, we're not always supposed to go with the flow. We're not always supposed to go with the crowd. Uh, going against the flow... Is, is something that as a Christian that we have to do. Because if we conform to what people see as normal, then we're compromising the Bible. If we conform to what people see as right, then we are compromising the Bible. Because the world don't know the Bible. The world don't know God. They're ignorant of it. Completely and totally. And I don't mean that being mean. It's, it's like before you know how to ride a bicycle. You look at a bicycle and you don't understand what it is. Because you don't know. But then after you get on the bicycle and you learn how to ride, then you got it. You, you can't forget it. It's something that sticks with you. Same thing with the Word of God. If, if you don't know it, you can look at it, you can read it, you can take and translate it and call it something new and different and exciting. But, but, but until you know God, you still don't know anything. You're still ignorant. And so this world, they, 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 don't, they don't know. It's, it's not that they're dumb on purpose. It's that they just don't know no better. They hadn't met God yet. They haven't learned it yet. They don't know the same Jesus Christ that we do. And so whenever we begin to go with the flow, we, we, we begin to find ourselves following behind people, the deaf leading the blind. We, we begin following behind people that's, that's going in the wrong direction. It is normal today. I absolutely hate to say it. It is normal today to find homosexuality everywhere you go. It is completely and totally normal. But it ain't right. So whenever I say it ain't right, I'm going against the norm. I'm going against the flow. I, I'm not conforming to what, to what people, to what the world see as normal, as a standard. Whenever I condemn people living together before marriage, that act in and of itself is not right. Are they outside of the reach of God? By all means, no. Should we stop witnessing to them? No. We shouldn't condone or exhort the behavior. The same thing with cursing, with alcoholism, with drugs. Those things are seen as normal. 
Marijuana is looked at as recreation now. And even though it may seem normal, it may seem okay to the world, it should never seem okay to us. To, to go against the flow is, is part of being Christian. To, to look at the, what God says and say, I'm going to stick with what God said is, is what should be the norm to us. It's what should matter to us. And we were going to start a study in the book of John tonight. Now, I was kind of led this direction. So y'all bear with me and pray for me. We're going to be in the book of Joshua in chapter 1, verse number 5. The book of Joshua in chapter 1, verse number 5, the Bible says, There shall... Not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be of strong, excuse me, be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Verse number nine says, Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever. Thou goest. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us together at your house tonight, God. We thank you for all the blessings, the life blessings of the day that you've given us. God, I pray that you be with us tonight in your service. God, help us so we can see the importance of not conforming to this world. God, that we wouldn't give in to the, the pressures, the, the things that this world is calling okay, and we know that according to your word, God, that they are dead wrong. I pray that you'd help us so we can stand for, for thus saith the word of God. God, that we can stand for what you say is right. God, that we would stand in our convictions. God, if we could go against the flow, that, that we wouldn't. God, if we wouldn't compromise what you said. God, help us tonight as as we look into your word. God, if we could be receptive, have receptive hearts. God, most of all, if it be a lost one among us, God, help them tonight to take and see the importance of Jesus Christ. God, if they could accept Jesus as their Savior before it be everlasting too late. Be with the sick and suffering those our duty to pray for. Forgive us for we fail you. Thank you for Jesus. In His name, we pray. Amen. Here Joshua is, is taking over Israel, if you will, from Moses. Verse number 2 says, Moses, my servant, is dead. And God is talking to Joshua here. and, and he, Joshua knew that during the days of Moses that things were difficult. Think things were hard. They, they, they got up against walls sometimes. But Joshua also knew that God took care of them. That God took care of his people. That God took care of, of his leader, Moses. And here God is reassuring Joshua. He said, well, let's go ahead and reread it so I don't get this wrong. <laughs> Verse 5, there should not be any man able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. God said, I will not forsake thee. Joshua came up against odds that, that we'll never know anything about. And God told him, regardless of what goes on, he said, I will be with you. And the first proof that we see of, of God being with Joshua is in chapter number 2. And we're going to read verses number 1 through 12. Joshua number 2, And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go and view the land, even Jericho. And they came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told of the king of Jericho came, Behold, there came men to hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are coming to thee, which are entering into thy house, for they to come to search out the, all the country. And a woman took the two men and hid them, and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate, when it was dark, the men went out, whether the men went, I wot not. Pursue them quickly, for you shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with stalks of flax. When she had 
laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them in the way of Jordan unto the fords. And as soon as they which pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came upon unto them upon the roof. And she said unto them, I know the Lord hath given you the land. And the terror is fallen upon us and all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to two kings and Amorites on the other side of Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. Here the, the, the first example that we see of God being with Joshua is God using this woman that, that nobody would have ever nobody would have ever expected God to use. You see a lot of people in the Bible that, that God don't name. This person you do. He put her name in the Bible. Several times, and especially in the New Testament, and especially with women, they'll call them something. And we'll call them by their name. Even in the New Testament, Jesus said there was a certain rich man. Never would call his name. There were rich men. Never would call his name. Here, God put her name in the Bible because of her faith to go against the flow. Because of her faith to go against what she knew everybody else in the country would have done. And had she done it, then she would have missed out on the blessing. She would have been utterly destroyed. And what I find very, very interesting is, is this woman was a harlot. She, was, she wasn't a Christian type of person. But it says in verse 9, I know the Lord hath given you the land. She knew. She knew already. She knew what was coming and she took the men of, of Israel, the, the spies from Israel. She took the men of God and she took care of them on a promise that they would take care of her whenever they overtook the land. She went against the flow for God. Joshua here went. Joshua did something nobody thought he could do. Throughout his career, if you will, Joshua continued to win for God. When other people said he couldn't. The man Gideon, after his temporary lapse of faith in the beginning, went and won for God when nobody else thought that they could. And here, Rahab went against the flow for God when everybody else said that she, she couldn't. Nobody else expected her to go this far. Flip back with me, if you would, to Numbers in chapter 30. And keep your Bibles open. We're going to flip-flop back and forth. Oh, excuse me, number 13. Book of Numbers in chapter 13. The first time that we find Joshua in the Bible is a tremendous test of his faith. Joshua here has the opportunity to go with the flow. And bear in mind that Numbers is before Joshua chronologically. God has not yet made him leader of Israel. God has not yet told him that no man will be able to stand against thee. Joshua is an ordinary person like me and you. And Joshua and, and his buddy, I assume here, Caleb, had a, had a choice to make. They had a decision to make. And in Numbers chapter 13, verse number 30, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. They sent spies into the land. Into the promised land. Ten of them came back. 
And they said, we can't do it. God hadn't asked us to conquer America. But he asked us to lead America to Jesus. Each and every person. God didn't tell Israel to go in and conquer the land. He said, go in and I'll give it to you. They just had to have the faith to go. Here, Joshua and Caleb came back. They came back and said, let's go. He stilled the people and said, let's go up at once and possess it. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. God plus one is the majority every time. God plus one. To put that in in simpler terms, God and you can overcome anything. God and me can overcome anything. God plus one can overcome anything. But we have to be willing to be that plus one. God's not going to grab us by the shirt tail and say, come on, we're going to win the war. We have to be willing to go. We have to be willing to do. We have to be willing to go into this land. What happened to the children of Israel the next morning? The next morning they got up and said, let's go. God said, it's too late. It's too late. Joshua and Caleb said, let's go now. The people said, now. And so the children of Israel sided with the, the majority, the ten. When they tried to go in the next day, it didn't work out. And they wandered around in the wilderness because of disobedience. Because they went with the majority. Because they, they ignored what God said. And let's, let's do what the people say. How many times has that really, really, really messed us up? Let's do what the people say. It hardly ever works that way. Let's do what God says. Flip over, if you would, to Romans in chapter 12. The book of Romans in chapter 12. Whenever we're saved, we are set apart from the rest of the world. Now, I believe that, that that is clear to each and every one of us here. That we are supposed to be different. But whenever it comes to, to acting different, that's where we trip and fall. That's where we struggle. That's, that's where we stop. Does everybody remember Lot in Genesis chapter 13? Whenever Lot went down to, to Sodom and Gomorrah, the, the Bible says that Lot had a righteous soul. I believe that, that Lot was as a godly a man as, as you wanted to meet whenever he was with Abraham. But whenever he got separated from Abraham, whenever he got separated from the rest of his family, and he got to where he was making his own decisions, where he was his own man, you don't see very much about Lot talking to God. You see him get down into Sodom and Gomorrah. And instead of being an example of righteousness to those people, he was the exact opposite. He conformed. He gave in. And when the two angels came to his, his door to lead him out, he gave up his daughters to the people so that they wouldn't take the two men. It was a terrible and awful place. And, and Lot, and, and instead, of, instead of getting himself out, Instead of avoiding the situation, instead of trying to make a change, he conformed to it. Romans in chapter number 12, verse number 1. says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable 
service. After salvation, verse number two, be ye not, uh, and be not conformed to this world. That is a powerful statement. Be not conformed to this world. What does that mean? If the world wears blue, I'm going to wear green. It's not exactly what that's talking about. Be not conformed to this world. Do not think the way the world thinks. Do not act the way the world acts. Again, that's not saying if they're driving on the right side of the road, you drive on the left. Be not conformed to the morality of this world because it is skewed. The Bible says that, that in the last days, people will call good evil and evil good. And I never thought I would... I, growing up, I didn't know abortion was a thing. Didn't know it existed. It never crossed my mind that somebody could be so evil as to kill a baby. But in the last 10 years, we've seen it like we've never seen it before. Leading cause of death in the world is abortion. It's murder. And people call it good. People celebrate it. This past week in New York, a bill was signed in the law to approve abortion up to nine months. Up to the point of birth, abortion is legal in New York. And I've never seen so many people excited and smiling and grinning and shaking hands and just having a big celebration over murder in my life. It, it absolutely made me sick whenever I saw the video of it. They were celebrating, signing into law, murder of the most innocent form of life that we've ever seen. That is the morality of this world. That is their morality. We're not supposed to be... We're not supposed to conform to that. Murder is murder. Killing is killing. Created in God's image are those little babies. The Bible says that homosexuality is a sin. The Bible says that stealing is a sin. And yet today you, you see people stealing and lying and cheating their way and they call them successful politicians. Instead of throwing them in jail. That is con the, the, the conformity of this world. That is the morality of this world. And the Bible here says be not conformed to this world. And then there's a colon. The colon means there is an explanation coming after. They're about to, Paul here is about to explain this verse. He said don't be conformed to this world. He said but be ye transformed. By the renewing of your mind. Woohoo! What happens whenever you get saved? You, you, your whole outlook changes. Whenever you accept Jesus Christ, everything about your world changes. A lot of you in here has had kids. Whenever that baby was born, my whole world changed. My priorities shifted. What was important shifted. Everything changed. Whenever we get saved, everything changes. People may not even be able to see it whenever it happens. But whenever we are saved, there is a renewing of our mind. We think differently. What used to be okay is no longer okay. What used to be acceptable is no longer acceptable. But what used to be bad is not bad anymore. Because we play by a different rule book whenever we're saved. Because we understand what the Bible says whenever we're saved. We're revealed that by the Holy Spirit. Well, we have the Spirit of God bearing witness with our spirit. That we are the sons of God. Bringing us comfort and guidance. Through His Spirit and through His Word. That is the renewing of our mind. 
He said, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then he tells us why. That you may prove what is that good, acceptable, perfect will of God. He didn't say that you can see it. He said that you can prove it. That you can prove what the will of God is. The will of God is for us to submit our life. Romans says to, Paul says in the book of Romans to, to crucify ourselves. To put to death ourself. To allow Christ to live in us so that the world could see Him. Because everybody in the world don't have a Bible. Everybody that sees us on a daily basis don't have a Bible. And if you want to watch how quickly people pick things up, whenever those kids come up here and stand up, you watch how quickly they turn on and adjust the microphones. You tell me they haven't been watching. You tell me they hadn't been watching. Because that little bitty one, he got up here and he was trying to twist the microphone. He knows exactly how it works. I guarantee you nobody's told him about it. He's been watching. He's been learning. People watch us. What are they seeing? If we're the only Bible they ever read, what are they getting? Are they getting Scripture? Are they getting Jesus? Are we proving what that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God is? Are we living that out in our life? Turn, if you would, to Matthew in chapter 7. The book of Matthew in chapter 7. Paul said, be not conformed to this world because this world is, let me use my own terms, the world is all jacked up. We know this. They, they, they get half of everything backwards. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse number 13, Jesus said, enter ye in at the straight gate. For broad is the, excuse me, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Put it in lamest terms, there's a pile of people going in the wrong direction. And that's why Paul said, don't be conformed. Jesus said, beware of the false prophets that come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You can read some of these other translations of Bibles and it'll be so close to the same thing that we have, but it ain't the same thing. Whenever you leave out one word of the Bible and you're leaving out one word that God saw You're leaving out one word that God saw as important. And if God saw as important, what are, who are we to, to change it? To leave it out, to miss it. I try real hard not to quote verses because I don't want to leave out a word that God put in there. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to misquote it at any time. Jesus said, beware of the false prophets. Beware of the people that, that come to you telling you it's okay. It's all right. What did the serpent say to Eve in the garden? The serpent didn't completely and totally lie to her. Whenever the serpent came to Eve, the serpent said, God, I don't know what he's talking about. Paraphrasing. He said, you'll be as gods, knowing good and evil. He told her the truth. He told her the absolute truth. But God told her not to touch it. And so it don't matter if he come to her and then and told her anything in the world. When God says not to touch it, when God says not to do it, when God says not to mess with it, then what are we supposed to do? The flip side of that is verse number 20. Wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. You look at 
You look at people. The Bible says to try the spirits. And you'll understand the conforming to this world is as close to as close to the front door of our church as we've ever seen it before ever. Uh, the, the world is, is creeping into our churches and our homes. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. It's hard to find a good radio station. It's even harder to find a good TV channel. And it's getting harder and harder to hold conversations with people without them swearing, taking God's name in vain. And the Bible says, by their fruits, you shall know them. First Corinthians chapter one, and we'll close the book of first Corinthians in chapter one. Here, Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. <laughs> He's telling them here the, the same thing that, well, that we realize, that we recognize, that we play by a different rule book. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. That sums up the difference in us and the world. To us, our morality comes from God, and, and to them it's foolishness. Why is it wrong? God said so. That ought to be all the reason you need. When I was growing up, Daddy said, don't do that, why not? Because I said so. That was it. That's as far as we had to go. Didn't have to ask why. Mama, why can't I go here? Because I said so. That's it. That was, that was, that was all we needed. There was no other explanation required. So why is it wrong? To live in immorality. Because God said so. Why is it wrong to covet? To be jealous because God said so. Why is it wrong to love money more than God? Because he said so. Why is it wrong to forsake his teachings, his Bible, his church services, his, his family? Because he said so. Why is it wrong to skip praying? Because he told us to. Verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. For where is the wise and where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of the word? Hath not God made the foolish wisdom? Uh, God, excuse me. Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Verse number 25, but the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. If we, fa if we place our faith and trust in God, you, you've heard said that on his on his most terrible day, Michael Jordan was better than any other basketball player in the league. On a bad day, playing with the flu, he won the NBA Finals with fever, feeling bad, aching, hurting, still scored thirty points. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. Verse number 27, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. The reason, the verse number 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption.
Don't be afraid to go against the flow because Jesus Christ did. Don't be afraid to go against the flow because Moses did. Don't be afraid to go against the flow because David did. Don't be afraid to go against the flow because down to, through time, Christians have. Never have we been the majority. Never have we been the ones that everybody looked at as, as being the ideal people. Because to the world, we're foolish. To the world, we're dumb. To the world, we're ignorant Bible thumpers. But we're not judged by the world. We're not serving the world. We're not here to... We're not here to be conformed to the world. We're here to serve God. My prayer to God today is that each and every one of us could view God as a little bit greater today than we did yesterday. That we could see the importance of His Word. That we could see the importance of not conforming to the world on, on, on one little bitty thing. I don't know if they've changed their sign since it was up there, but the sign at Pine First Baptist said, You give the devil an inch, and he becomes a ruler. And that's all it takes. If we conform one time, if we conform on one thing, if we conform on one principle that God put in His Word, then they take over. Then we lose it all. It's a slippery slope. And I pray that we never start sliding down it. I pray that we can stay strong in God, that we can stay strong in His teachings, that we can stay strong in His Word, and that we could go against the flow, that we could be not conformed to this world. Oh, I have a verse with something.